Do you find yourself wishing you had more energy, healthier habits, or fun family activities? At the YMCA, you can find your passion, find family fun, and find your happy place, all while supporting your community. Join the Y in March with a $0 enrollment fee and enjoy motivating group exercise classes, heated pools, pickleball, and so much more. Visit YMCADC.org to learn more and to find your nearest Y in D.C., Maryland, or Virginia today. People are stupid. Live to tape. Welcome to Millennial 502. I'm Andrew. I'm Laura. And I'm Pamela. And we're joined by one of our patrons this week as part of the Facebook official benefits, Shania. Hi, Shania. Hello. Welcome to the show. Tell us a little bit about yourself. So I am from San Diego. I'm a big nerd. So anything about nerd culture, I'm really, really into Uh, video games, comics, books, anything. Uh, And just this weekend, I was at Universal Studios. Ooh, did you go to the Wizarding World? That's the only place to go in Universal (laughs) Studios. (laughs) You know, it really is. Universal Studios Hollywood is kind of sad. There's not much to do. With Harry Potter World, it's absolutely fabulous. I could spend the whole time there. But they did close Jurassic Park, which I'm super bummed about because I love that ride. But they're reopening it uh, after it gets revamped this year. Oh, yeah. good. I'm glad they're not getting rid of it because that's also one of my favorite rides. Mine too. I don't think they can with their little franchise going. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, that's Hopefully what they're doing. Not. They're updating it for <laughs> Jurassic World. Mm-hmm. So I guess you'll you'll get to ride with Chris Pratt and Bryce Dallas Howard. My dream come true. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> it's a water ride, so I hope he rides it shirtless. <laughs> Great. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's great, Shania. It's nice to have you. How long have you been listening to Millennial? Gosh, probably late 2015, I would say, uh, was when I started listening to podcasts in general. I listened to MuggleCast first, and I think you plugged Millennial at some point. So I'm like, sure, I'll give it a go. And now I listen to hardly anything else. Well, we're very glad to hear that. Those plugs work. I mean, <laughs> frankly, our entire audience came from MuggleCast. <laughs> yeah. Yep. We're all still family here. <laughs> yeah. I would say realistically, it's like 90% came from MuggleCast. Every once in a while, there's somebody who discovered us another way. I was like, and I'm like, wow, that's almost shocking. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, well, it's great to have you. And thanks for your support over on Patreon. It's nice to hear that you are in San Diego. I'm actually in Palm Springs. I kind of flew out here on a whim. Have you been to Palm Springs? <laughs> I think I've been to Palm Springs when I was really young, so I don't remember it very well. We used to go on road trips like every summer with like Route 66 with my dad. So probably pass through Palm Springs at some point. Nice. Well, it is beautiful. It sits right along the mountains. It gets very hot during the summer, but... One reason people love it and one reason a lot of old gays move here is because the weather is beautiful year-round. Warm weather, sunny sunny skies year-round. Except for right now, (laughs) it's fucking raining and cloudy and it's been that way since Thursday and it's going to be that way till this Thursday. So literally my whole trip is just clouds and rain. I'm really bummed and want my money back. Is it 
bad weather down there too? I wouldn't call it bad weather. Uh, we love staring out the window at the rain all day at work. We were super pleased at it until you have to drive in it, of course. But yeah, uh, yeah, it is indeed raining, cloudy, overcast. Yeah. Well, when you live here, like when I lived in LA, and Pam, you can probably relate to this too. When you live here and it rains, it's like, oh my God, it's raining. It never happens. That's so exciting. But now I'm living in Chicago. So when I come here, I expect perfection. <laughs> I bet it feels warm to you. It yeah, it did feel warm. It also feels very warm right now because I'm sitting right in front of the Airbnb's furnace. And I think I might catch on fire by the end of this. <laughs> Stay tuned. <laughs> um, but I also, I just wanted to uh, issue a Laura rant of the week as well. This is, of course, a new segment. And I love that it's Laura's rant of the week. Um, can someone please explain to me why everyone is doing the stupid ass 2009 versus 2019 challenge on social media first of all some people are doing like 10 years ago versus today other people are doing like 2005 versus today it's all over the place why is this gone viral i scroll through instagram and facebook and it's nothing but this meme have any of you done it no and Mm -hmm. i won't do it because as i noted here in the doc for 99 percent of people posting it's an exercise in vanity and humble bragging about how beautiful they looked then and how beautiful they look now <laughs> <laughs> and that's my problem i look terrible now i seriously peaked no, you in two thousand. no no I, whatever i peaked in 2009 i look at those pictures i'm like why don't i look like that anymore so i cannot possibly participate in this But did you know you peaked in 2009? Because I also look at pictures from 2009 and think, man, I looked pretty good, but I was a mess inside. Right, right. Well, and you think think at the time you don't look that great. Like I've had times where I'll look at pictures, let's say, let's say I took it last year and I look at that picture. I'm like, "Eh, I don't really like that, like that. And then I look at it a year, I look at it like today and I'm like, oh, actually that picture wasn't so bad. (laughs) Exactly. Well, I was 12, 10 years ago, so... I would oh, love to see <laughs> I would love to see the difference between when I was 12 and now 22. And yeah. I I do have to disagree Laura cuz at least for what I'm seeing on my Facebook friends they're showing like who they were 10 years ago and they have now have a family and they've bought a house and I don't know I'm just happy for them <laughs> so I can't I can't complain too much. My favorite are the scene kid transformations because 2009, you know, scene style was still pretty big, all of the emo hair and stuff like that and that's crazy. Yeah. Mine yeah, just think, remind Go ahead. I was just going to say Shania, I think you just must have better friends than I do. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Mine my my meme would just remind everybody that I've been using the same exact hairstyle <laughs> since senior year of high school. <laughs> I don't want to remind people. <laughs> uh anyway, what what else has everybody been up to recently? So uh, me and Mark had an Uber Eats experience for the ages on Saturday night that I wanted to share on the show. Um, I worked in customer service for over a decade. So it really takes a lot for me to want to complain about any kind of customer service experience. Um, 
So yeah, full disclosure, we uh, spent the whole day Saturday flipping my bedroom and my office. So we were exhausted. And we got a little bit inebriated after that was done. And over the course of this inebriation decided that we really wanted milkshakes and cheese fries from Steak and Shake. Um, So we ordered on Uber Eats and our order showed up and it had this Mark had ordered like a chili hot dog and the bag only contained that chili hot dog. No milkshakes, no cheese fries. So you can imagine how distraught I was in my state. Absolutely. Um, I mean, not really. I was calm about it, but the driver started making all these excuses and saying things like, oh, I didn't know they were milkshakes because the receipt just said chocolate and peanut butter cup. So I thought they were just pieces of candy. <laughs> what? And we, we were like, what? And so the guy gets on the phone with Uber. Uber tells him, nah, dude, you fucked up. Go back and get the rest of their stuff. <laughs> I felt terrible because I'm like, oh, man, this guy's going to have to make like another round trip. This kind of sucks. I'll just make sure to, you know, tip him a little extra because mistakes happen. So he goes back. And when he gets to the steak and shake, he calls me again and goes, okay. And he's like really stressed out. He's like, okay. Um, they they don't actually put cheese on the fries. And I went, what? I, I was like, all right. And he's like, they put it on the side. Okay. And I was like, that's fine. And he goes, no, no, no. They put it on the side. And I was like, that's fine. <laughs> that's totally okay. <laughs> and this this back and forth happens a little while longer before it occurs to me that he's asking if they gave me the cheese, but not the fries. And uh, so I, uh, I, I asked him, I'm like, are you asking me if I was provided with half of the cheese fry order? And he's like, yes. I'm like, okay, no. I, I got neither cheese nor fries. And he's like, okay. <laughs> Hangs up, comes back, comes to the door like five minutes later. Milkshakes, but no cheese fries. <laughs> and Mark just looks at him like, what? The He's like, you, we literally just talked about this. And the guy's like, no, when I talked to her on the phone, she said that you guys didn't order that. Oh, and God. I was like, that's not what I said, but we're done. Like, have a yeah. good night. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Lord. Yeah. It was, un- I think the driver was probably also inhibited. <laughs> yeah. Would be my guess. <laughs> yeah. I will say um, Uber Eats, Postmates, all these others, that seems like a, a lot of work because, you know, with Uber, you're just sitting in your car the whole time. Whereas with these food delivery ones, you got to go into the restaurant, you got to wait, you got to get back out to your car, you got to park your car, you got to get to the other place, you got to deliver to a person's door. I feel bad for all these guys. I mean, I still use them, but I do not envy them at all. No, and that's exactly why I'm, I tend to be really patient with stuff. Like, I don't get mad at people when they make mistakes, because... That's just human error and that's natural. But this guy was like, he was copping a toot about it. I was like, you don't get to fuck up and then be pissed off at me for wanting you to do it right, you know? Yeah. So that, like, ultimately, Mark ended up writing uh, an epic about how that exchange all went down. 
And I'm going to be posting that as bonus content over on the Patreon. So oh, good. definitely check it this. out. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't it nice to know, though, that there are some really messed up people in the world who are a lot more messed up than you? That kind of thing makes me feel good. Yeah, I mean, if that's your barometer. I suck, but I don't suck as bad <laughs> as this guy. <laughs> Look at on the bright side. So uh, The Bachelor started back up in case anybody is curious about that. This is a show that I don't watch, but it's it's like a mainstay in pop culture, right? So I have some friends that are really into it, and they were hosting a, that, a Bachelor premiere viewing party, and I was like, okay, you know what? I don't really watch this show, but I'll go because I haven't seen you guys in a while. And I didn't realize that this was a thing that people did. Like, people get together, and they watch The Bachelor together, and... There were also uh, people that went to this girl, like there was like 20 people at her house watching the show with her. And some of them were doing brackets like people do for fantasy football. It's crazy how into the show people are. But I felt like mm. it was Bachelorception because the show starts and the first half, because it's a two hour thing, is literally just the host checking in at different Bachelor viewing parties <laughs> with previous oh contestants. God. It was so weird it's way too meta if you're looking for a a show to like hate watch though it's great for that because the girls on the show are crazy and i know that they make them look even more insane than they actually are but the one thing that did get old really quick was that the guy that's the bachelor this year is a virgin and the entire time i just felt so much secondhand embarrassment for him because it's literally just everybody knowing you're a virgin and then making fun of that or talking about like taking your V card or popping your cherry. And it's just, it was just too much. I could not stand that aspect of it. And obviously they're playing it up for television, but it was just, it got old real, real quick. Yeah. Yeah. My, um, my mom and sister and even my brother have been into the bachelor before. I think for the same reason that your friends are because it's so bad that it's good. And Mm -hmm. I can totally see it as a good girls night activity yeah they i mean they did a great job me my two friends like putting the party together they served like rose because he gives out roses and they had you know a lot of fun with it and stuff like that (laughs) but it was just uh it's just like the craziest (laughs) show on television television honestly but if you're not interested in like getting invested in reality television i do want to take a minute to recommend lifetimes unreal which is actually on hulu right now because it's actually produced by some former producers of the bachelor but it's a dramatized uh fictionalized television show and it's really really good the first two seasons are great yeah i've watched that show i think i'm behind by one season because it came to hulu but it was the it's the final season, right? So it's exactly like over now. Yeah, I love it because it feels like a behind the scenes look at the making of a TV show. That's mm-hmm. that's the premise. And I'm nerdy, so I really like seeing it from that angle. And it is a really great show. So I'll second that recommendation. Exactly. Yeah. And plus it's on Hulu. Couldn't be easier to watch. Mm-hmm. You can binge it right now. So we're gonna talk to Shania about a bunch of things. Um, we asked her to tell us about herself, uh, before recording and we learned some things, including one very shocking thing that we're going to lead with. But, uh, I just want to remind everybody really quick about our new Patreon benefits here in 2019. First of all, for our official Facebook official patrons, we have the face to face benefit. This is a monthly on video hangout to chat with listeners 
before the show. Um, we also have the new breaking news benefit. This is also for Facebook official patrons. And once or twice a month, we're going to record a quick mini episode to react to a big story so that you don't have to wait for the next episode to get our reactions. Case in point, last week for Trump's address to the nation, we recorded right after Chuck and Nancy finished talking. And it was really fun. Laura, Pam, and I just sat there for a good 20 minutes just talking about um, what happened. It was so easy and natural. Like, I would love to just do the podcast that way all the time. We just keep recording these little bits, reacting to stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was good fun. And we were kind of um, privately planning like, okay, when Trump declares the state of emergency, we're going to hop on and do another one, right? (laughs) Right, right. For OTP patrons and above, Landy is now becoming one 30 to 45 minute video show per month. We also have Mega Millennial now. Uh, OTP patrons will now receive the main show ad free with After Dark in uh, the same file. So it's nice and easy to listen to our uh, additional content that we record. And these all join our other benefits like Hashing It Out, which is our pre-show recording, Ad Free Millennial, random posts with goings on in our lives, and the newly announced Discord channel. And Laura, what, what embarrassing picture did you just post over on Patreon? I posted this. I don't think it's embarrassing. I think it's really cute. It is a picture of Andrew and I circa 2007. Andrew, this can be our version of the then and now picture. Um, (laughs) A picture of us passed out in a hotel room in London. uh, After we finished reading Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows, we stayed up all night. And it's just this really cute picture of us all cuddled up. I don't remember who took it. Um, but it's it's adorable. You should check it I out. I guess it's adorable, except for the fact that I'm sleeping with my mouth open, which is never a good look. So, I mean, you can, you see, can straight see up, up my nose. You can see right up my nostrils, like <laughs> whatever. I was probably snoring, knowing me. You've so. got a booger hanging out. I'm zooming in. Do you wow, really? That's really gross. Do I no, really? You do. Yeah. Not kidding. <laughs> I mean, whatever. It's the 2007 iPhone isn't doesn't didn't take that detailed of a photo, <laughs> thankfully. <laughs> All right. So before we talk to Shania, our first sponsor this week is Policy Genius. You know, getting life insurance is one of the more intimidating parts of becoming a full fledged adult. We have to face the idea of dying, <laughs> and there are so many options. It's hard to know where to start. But making sure your family is financially protected is too important to avoid. So Policy Genius created a website that makes it easy for you to compare quotes, get advice, and get covered quickly, easily, and without extra fees or commissioned sales agents. Here's how it works. You just go to their site, policygenius.com. You pick the type of coverage you're looking for. You answer a few questions. And in minutes, you'll be able to compare quotes from top insurers to find the coverage you need at the price you can afford. And then from there, you apply online. And this is one of the best parts. The advisors at Policy Genius will handle all the red tape. They'll even negotiate your rate with the insurance company. It's all part of their best price guarantee. If you've been intimidated or frustrated by insurance in the in the past, try starting your search at policygenius.com. In minutes, you can compare quotes and apply. You can do the whole thing on your phone right now. It's so easy. We don't even have a promo code to give you. Just visit their darn site, policygenius.com. Policy Genius is the easy way to compare and buy life insurance. All right, Shania, not Shania Twain, said right at the top of the show, please 
use the song Man, I Feel Like a Woman as a closing song. And we said, great, sure, no problem. It's a great song. Are you also a big Shania Twain fan? Yeah, I mean, that's who I'm named after, so I am. (laughs) Oh, I love that. (laughs) Was absolutely played a lot when I was a little kid. Do you think your parents, like when they conceived you, were listening to Shania Twain? I hope not. (laughs) (laughs) I want to think about it. (laughs) So we want to start with a topic that's been a running joke on the show for a while. And you were afraid to tell us this, which was very adorable. No judgments, at least for me. You've never been vaccinated? How did this I'm just happen? <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, I always find it interesting because people talk about it like it's a recent movement. And obviously, it's not that recent because it's definitely happening 22 years ago when my mom heard about it. Um, the thing is that my mom's a doctor. Um, she's a doctor of chiropractic. And she has been pretty much my only doctor growing up at all. Um, I don't know where she heard about it or, or if it was like an autism thing or if it was just conspiracy theory about big pharma, but they just don't really trust modern medicine, I suppose. And they didn't want to vaccinate me or my sister. So how did you guys, did you go to public school? Aren't, isn't this required? It's actually easier than you think to get out of you. Okay. At least it was when I when I was going to school. You just signed a, you know, religious freedom form or whatever. And my mom never really raised a, said anything about anybody raising a stink. So I guess hmm. it wasn't really that hard. Yeah. I'm curious to know what your feelings are just personally about vaccinations at this point in your life, especially since this movement has gotten so much coverage in the last few years. Yeah, especially since there's been, I mean, I see it almost every day and a different article or something. So now I definitely understand the science behind it. And I don't think there's a big conspiracy theory to poison people or (laughs) anything like that. Um, So eventually I do plan to start getting myself vaccinated. However, being raised with that mindset, I'm, I've got this irrational fear of doing it. Like, what if I'm allergic to something and I just, I don't know, something terrible happens. So that, that, but on the other hand, when I was about seven or eight, now we'll never know for sure. Cause again, I was never taken to a doctor, but I most likely had whooping cough. Mm. Oh, damn. And when I told my symptoms to a doctor recently, she was like, yeah, that was probably pertussis, but we'll never know because no one ever took you to a doctor, even though you were throwing up like multiple times a day from coughing so hard. Yeah. Good grief. How how do your parents feel about this? Have you told them that you're going to get your vaccines? No way. (laughs) Oh, my God. That's so crazy, though. I feel like you should tell them just to get their reaction. Uh, maybe we'll see it. I just don't want the fight. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I understand. Yeah, it's almost like it'd be like coming out to your parents, kind of. Yeah, which we'll talk about later, but they didn't react so well to that either. So, Mm. oh, dear. I am wearing a hazmat suit today. You can't tell, but (laughs) keeping myself protected. Um, so another thing we wanted to talk about with you is that you've been in a relationship for a while 
and some would say it's a unique situation. So tell us about your relationship. Yeah, so I've been in a relationship with my partner, John, for almost four years now. Um, when we met, we both worked at GameStop. Uh, <laughs> and we met at a Buffalo Wild Wings where a bunch of employees were gathering. And um, it's just sort of sprung forth from there. We've lived together for about three years. But the big thing is that um, he is almost nine years older than me. Mm-hmm. So people, I don't think there's any judgment here. <laughs> no, absolutely <laughs> but, not. But uh, were, were there, and I, I assume there are concerns from friends and maybe family, but were there concerns from either of you at the beginning about the age gap? Because personally, I would probably think about that myself. Like, wow, this person's nine years older. Um that we're we're in different parts of our lives. Were there concerns from either of you? I had concerns at first, for sure, um, due to some other things I was going through and just not ready to date. I'd just gotten out of like a three-year relationship. So I think part of it was me just making excuses to not be with this person that I really liked. Mm. But Yeah, love I, is love, right? Right. So I thought, yeah. At first, you know, what if he wants kids soon? I don't want kids. And, but when we actually started getting to know each other, we found that we were more in the same place in life than we thought. Uh, just age didn't really have much to do with it. Yeah. In the gay community, this would be called having a daddy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, what, who, who came to you, like friends and family, who came to you and, and tried to, make you think more about it my friends weren't really concerned they all sort of knew how i was and once they had met him they thought he was great so i don't really think they had any concerns uh my parents especially my mom i don't remember my dad making any comments but my mom was like i don't know what what a 27 year old wants to do with a 18 year old anyway and it's just for me, it hurt my feelings. It's all like, what you think? There's nothing interesting about me just because I'm 18, or are you just accusing him of being creepy because I'm younger? Like, it just didn't make any sense to me because he made me happy. So why are why is she getting all up in a fit about it? Mm-hmm. And are are and they're fine with it now? Oh yeah, they've actually at least my dad has apologized since and said that you know oh, he thought it was too hard on us when we first started dating but seeing where we've come we've been living together for about three years and um we're mm. doing well in our careers and we have you know two cats together and we're we're doing good so he's like you know you i'm proud of you and what you're doing so we just had to prove that's, him wrong that's really nice of your father because i think a lot of fathers wouldn't even apologize they would have said it and i don't know maybe forgotten about it or just didn't want to apologize my dad's not the type to apologize so i know he wouldn't have done that for me but um what's the biggest misconception you think people have and and do you think that there are situations where an age gap might actually be a problem assuming assuming everybody's above 18 that aside right uh i think the biggest misconception would be that the older person is somehow like immature because they're dating someone younger than them um, and I, I don't think that's the case in every situation. I'm sure it could be the case in some situations, but 
I don't even necessarily see the problem with that. Maybe one person is a little less mature than their age and the other person's a little more mature and they just kind of meet in the middle and help each other grow. Yeah. One thing I found interesting when I was talking to you earlier this week was you said you don't even know anyone around your age anymore. Is this a result of the relationship and the age gap in the relationship? No, that had started, oh gosh, probably when I was about 15. Um, I had a couple friends my year that I had known since like middle school, but coming into sophomore and junior year, my two closest friends were uh, two years older and I didn't really make any more friends in my grade and then didn't really help when I went to college for a little bit either. And now I'm the youngest person in my workplace and have been for good majority of actually since I got my first job a few weeks after I turned 16. So I've been like the youngest person in the workplace forever. (laughs) So I haven't really had the opportunities to meet other people my age. Yeah. Do you want to though? Uh, I mean, if there's someone that is again in my same place in life and we have things in common, then I mean, I'm not going to turn them down just because of their age, but I just don't see where and when I would come into contact with anyone like that. Yeah. Um, Do you think you will get married to him one day? Oh, yeah. We've definitely talked about it um, at this point, just sort of figuring out where our funds and our lives and jobs are at. But absolutely, it's something we want to do in the next couple of years. Yeah. So you also identify on the asexuality spectrum. Was there a light bulb moment where you realized you were asexual? There was definitely a moment. This was back when I was on Tumblr all the time and learning. So my parents and my whole family, people think that California is totally blue and there's definitely a a part of San Diego that is red as can be. And I'm from that part of San Diego. Oh. (laughs) So I definitely grew up with some problematic views. Uh, I don't even want to think about it, honestly. And I learned a lot about things from Tumblr. So again, while it is problematic, I owe a lot of my viewpoints and how much I've learned over the time from that. And I remember seeing something about- That's so interesting. Yeah, I remember seeing something about asexuality and defining it and what it is. And I thought, oh, okay, I'm not weird. That's just something that explains how I feel and that other people feel the same way. Yeah, yeah. So are you out to people now? Are you out to everybody? I would say I'm out in that I don't lie to people and tell them that I'm not asexual, but it's not exactly something that I'm like, oh, to a new coworker, hi, my name's Shania, I'm asexual. So <laughs> not a lot <laughs> oh, of really? people know. Because when I meet new people, I say, I'm Andrew, I'm gay. I mean, it's a great conversation starter, but- It is. With the stigma, especially against um, asexuality, it, it I usually don't bring it up until I know that for sure the person won't judge me. Yeah, that's Which, sad, isn't it? Yeah, it was really unfortunate when I've got a really close friend who, again, problematic views, and um, 
I'm, I'm teaching her. I'm, I'm getting her there. But a couple of years ago when she was talking about just in passing, like, all this, you know, multiple gender stuff and asexual and what are you, plant? And I go, you know, I'm asexual, right? And she's like, stops <laughs> and doesn't know uh, what to say. And she's like, well, what does that mean to you? And she, and that's what I appreciate is that she didn't immediately go like, well, that doesn't exist, whatever. She instead kind of seemed a little chagrined and, uh, yeah. Asked me what it meant to me and how that worked and Yeah, she's you know. trying. Yeah. 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 I'm curious, given um the example you just gave us, how do you explain it to people who, you know, are either ignorant about it or to people who push back on it? I just explained that it's so hard to describe like what sexual attraction is if you've never experienced it or you don't often experience it, but it's just more so that sex doesn't really matter very much to me and Mm -hmm. I don't feel the pull or the desire to do it, like, hardly ever. Uh, And my – like, people talk about, oh, I'm in a drought. I really need to get laid. I have never had that (laughs) thought (laughs) at all. Yeah, I'm I'm having it right now, being alone for a week. (laughs) (laughs) Like we we went to my boyfriend and I went to Japan last October, right? We were there for about ten days, and when we got back, our friend goes, "Man, I wonder what it would be like to have sex in a foreign country." And I'm like, "I wouldn't know." (laughs) (laughs) So when did you tell your boyfriend, and how does this factor into your relationship? I told him before, you know, we were just dating, talking stage. I told him then just as a part of who I am. Uh, And he didn't mind at all. You know, he's always said that he doesn't want to be ruled by his sexual desire. And he has a pretty low libido from what I can tell. So it doesn't really affect anything at all, fortunately for us. There are definitely days or weeks where he's feeling it a little more than than I am, but he doesn't ever want to feel like he's forcing me. So if I'm not 100% into it, he'll just snap out of it and back off and do something else. Oh, I thought you were going to say he'll just go jerk it. <laughs> no, so he doesn't even do that. So I'm, <laughs> I don't know, maybe we're, maybe we're both a little weird, but it fits. <laughs> and just a follow up question. I think that um, the general population has this perception of asexuality in that asexual people never have sex. Hmm. Is right. that is that a valid belief or is it kind of like person to person? It can mean a lot of different things. It could totally mean different things to different people. Of course, if if you're also a mix of asexual but homoromantic, maybe sex means something different to you. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, it's I, – I am in a partnership with someone who is not completely asexual. So I find myself – I don't know what's the way to say to – what's the best way to say this? I don't want to say giving in. That sounds weird. But um, meeting in the middle and and – doing that to bring us closer and make us both happy. Mm -hmm. But for other people who may be asexual and aromantic and not have a desire to share a partnership with anybody, then yeah, sure, they don't have sex at all. But for Mm -hmm. me, it just means probably 
once a month, mm-hmm. once every other month. Okay. I mean, geez, honestly, like, I think a lot of long-term relationships kind of end up around once a month anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> possibly true. Yeah. But 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 good on your boyfriend. I mean, that that's love, honestly. Like, I'm, I think that would be a deal breaker for a lot of people, for a lot of guys especially. If, yeah. if their girl wasn't putting out enough, they wouldn't want to take it further, you know? Right. So. And that's that's one of the things when I came out to my parents in a heat of the moment uh, conversation where they were like, well, I just want you to be happy and this can cause divorces and people won't be happy later in life if if you don't have a sex life. And I'm like, it's not everything. Like, I'm going to be plenty happy with my life. I'm going to find someone that will match me in that way so it won't be a problem like that right and and your parents argument was flimsy because sex doesn't make you happy so you don't need it it doesn't make you sad or or happy or miserable it's just nothing to you thank you so much for sharing that with us (laughs) yeah it was a surprisingly explosive argument for like you know most people when they tell their parents that they are having sex it's a big problem but it's a big problem for mine when I tell them that I'm not having sex. So, yeah, well. <laughs> isn't that isn't that funny? Like people are worried that you're actually not doing it. It's it's like, <laughs> what is the big deal? Yeah, I'm I don't to under- think of an analogy. I don't understand why in this society we spend so much time thinking about what people are doing with their genitalia or not mm-hmm. doing. <laughs> Like, exactly. Right. Right. Just worry about your own. Right. Don't worry <laughs> yeah, about everybody else's. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you, as Laura said, for, for being so open with us. We really appreciate it. Some of these questions, I was like, are, are you okay with talking about this on air? And you were. So you get a lot of credit for that. Yeah. I, I think it's not well known about. So at least yeah. in a safe space or a place where I know I'm not going to be attacked. I love talking about it because I just love for people to know a little bit more so that the next time somebody comes out to you, then you know a little bit about how they feel, maybe. Just reading through the Discord here, seeing people's feedback. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Ida says that um, uh, she has 16 years difference between her and her boyfriend. So mm. uh the age gap thing is not something that you're alone on for sure. Um, And got several people in here talking about being the youngest person in their friend group too. Hmm. That's always good because you Mm -hmm. feel nice and young. (laughs) Keeps you young. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So um, we're going to move on to an, a uh, request from one of our patrons, Kelsey. She wrote in speaking of relationships, what tips do you have for someone who is moving who is planning on moving in with their significant other. How is it different from living with a roommate? I'm planning on moving in with my boyfriend in March, and any insight would be appreciated. Let the other person go and do their own things. Please. You, you, you need to have separate lives. Um, Pat and I, we don't live together right now, but one benefit of me being away is, you know, I am uh, we're away from each other for a little bit. Distance makes the heart grow fonder also if they're organized you need to be organized or it'll drive them crazy i speak from experience because i am organized i'm neurotic i am insane so i need my partner (laughs) to help me out there or i'll go crazy and you know keep the relationship 
fresh with surprises and activities. Don't let things get stale by spending all your time at home. Go out, do something, go, go do something different, some new experiences. They can feel so good, even not in a relationship, even just <laughs> if, if you're living the single life, go out, try new experiences. It feels so good. Um, and to answer the question about di- what's different from living with a roommate, I feel like, and correct me with if I'm wrong, but you can be more honest with them when there are things that you don't like. Whereas if you have a roommate, <laughs> I've I, it's been a while since I've had one, but I didn't feel like I could be very honest with them when they made a me- mess in the kitchen or elsewhere. Like I didn't want to be that asshole. Whereas in a relationship, I'll be that asshole. <laughs> Yeah, it's definitely a lot easier to be honest and straightforward with the person that you sleep next to night after night. Like, yeah, you're just you're around each other so much that it begins to feel more like a partnership and not like a roommate situation. If that makes sense. Yeah. You roll over in bed, you say, hey, baby, clean the dishes. <laughs> <laughs> You want me to jerk you off? No, I really want you to go clean the dishes. <laughs> Shania, um, you've been living with your partner for three years. How's that going for you? And what tips do you have? It's been great. Uh, we moved in together uh, when we'd been dating for just over a year. And we've now been through two different apartments together. Um, it was really easy for us because we could spend that time apart, but still have that you know, little bit of time at night to see each other. So I wasn't so worried about, oh man, if I don't spend time with him today and hang out with him, then I don't know when I'm going to see him next. It's like, I'm going to hang out with my girls and I'll see him tonight, kiss him goodnight, see you later. Um, But I'm definitely messier than he is. So that has been a cause of some strife. Ah, so what's the strife? What happens? Well, it usually just is him approaching it gently like, hey, do you think you're going to do the dishes today? And I'm like, uh-huh, staying on the couch. <laughs> when do you think you're going to do them? Like, later. Okay. And then he'll just go do them because <laughs> he doesn't want to wait for me to do them. Dude, yeah. I feel you so much on this because this is the exact situation that me and Mark have. He's way more organized and clean than I am. And I'm getting better, Andrew, to your point. I am working to try and be better so that I don't completely destroy his mental state. But I can tell when I've done something because he'll just walk in the room and give me a look. That's like, (laughs) it's like half kidding, but like half serious, pissed off. And I'll be like, what did I do? And he'll just like point at whatever I did very dramatically. <laughs> so it'll be like a half full glass of something sitting on a table. I'm like, okay, sorry. He'll, John will just look at it and he'll look <laughs> yeah. at me. And he'll look at it. And he'll look at me. That's that's a nice way of doing it because it's also kind of fun. Or not. Not fun when for you, you see the look in his face. <laughs> <laughs> I would find it funny if I was a fly on the wall. <laughs> I've been lucky. Lucky Pat's been very clean. I think it's partly just in his bones, but also he knows that I'm neurotic. And we're we're going to talk more about cleaning up in After Dark today because uh, everybody's obsessed with this new Netflix series, Tidying Up. So we're going to talk more about how that's had an impact on us. Uh, Laura, did you have any other tips here to add? Yeah. Um, 
So Mark is moving in with me this summer. And part of our approach has been to work together on prepping the place for the move. So we're basically spending the next few months doing all the things that we want to get done to it before he moves in. And Mm -hmm. he gets a say in all of that. So I think that by us working together in terms of like, what decorations do we want to do? What renovations do we want to make? It helps to make it feel like this is our place and not just like, oh, this is Laura's place where Mark lives. Because I think that kind of dynamic can set you up for failure um, and create some resentment. So we're really trying to go into this, looking at this as like, this is our place. Um, And it feels like, you know, by doing that, you're allowing yourself to make space, both physically and mentally for the other person. Yeah. So that's what I would say. Pam, I don't want to exclude you. Do you have anything else to add here? (laughs) Um, I would just say, and this might be something that you can't do if your economic uh, situation doesn't allow it, but just make sure wherever you're moving into has enough space for the both of you. Um, I've lived in a lot of really expensive cities and it's really tempting to cut corners and say, oh, like we we can, you know, let's just live in a studio so we can save some money and, um, and, you know, just be more economical that way. But uh, you just have to be realistic with yourself and figure out how much space you need for the both of you so that you don't argue over that stuff. Some couples do live in a studio and I cannot fathom that. Mm -hmm. I would hate it. I would hate the person, even if I love them, because I need at least uh, a separate room where I can go to. Even, you know, it's just sleeping. Yeah, if it's like a one bedroom, you know, that's fine. But I think that as I get older, I realize that studio living is really only equipped for like one person and maybe their pet. Good luck, Kelsey. Let us know how it goes. Laura, we got an email this week as well, right? We did. Um, This is from Mariana. Not the same Mariana that we had on as a guest a few months ago, or at least I don't think so. Um, It says, hi, guys. While listening to the episode and as a teacher and child psychologist, I wanted to tell you that learning cursive develops a lot more and more complex neurological connections than script. It also helps avoid inversions in similar letters like P and Q and B and D. So while you might not use it later in life, it helps develop learning skills. Very valid. Now I find it less useless. So thank you. (laughs) All right. We're going to talk some news in a moment. But first, it's time for a word from our second sponsor this week. And they are a company who helps you read more. Audible. You clearly enjoy listening to spoken word entertainment because that's what you're doing right now. And listening to audiobooks is just as easy and entertaining as listening to podcasts can be. With Audible, you get access to an unbeatable selection of audiobooks, including bestsellers, motivation, mysteries, thrillers, memoirs, and more. It's all there. Audible members can choose three titles every month, one audiobook and two Audible originals that you can't hear anywhere else. And just like this podcast, you can listen to your audiobooks on any device, at home, at the gym, on your commute, or just on the go. I don't have a commute, but Pat does, and he's been binging Michelle Obama's Becoming. He has been loving it, and it makes his commute a lot better. I've recommended Michelle's book before, though, uh, the last time we spoke about Audible. So I have another recommendation for you. Bird Box. No, not the Netflix movie. The book the Netflix movie was based on. You've surely heard about Bird Box now. 
But did you know that the book was actually published in 2014? It's been out for a while. Now you can go straight to the source material because we know that the book is always better. In fact, Audible's editors describe it as so well-written and suspenseful that you'll have a hard time putting it down. Don't you love books like that? Audible has the most inspiring minds and the most compelling stories. It's the best and frankly, as far as I'm concerned, only place to listen to books. Get started with a 30-day trial when you go to audible.com slash M-I-L-L or text M-I-L-L to 500-500 and listen for a change. Your subscription gives you access to one audiobook and two Audible originals every month. And if you don't like a book, you can exchange it for another one. No problem. It's just like a bookstore. And by the way, every book you get as part of your subscription is yours to keep forever. This isn't like Spotify or Apple Music. You are getting the book and you get to keep it. And one more thing. I told Pat I was going to be telling you about Audible, and he said, oh, tell them about the car mode. So the car mode, it keeps the screen on all the time, and the UI becomes very minimal, so you can easily control your your book while driving. That's what Pat does every day for his commute. He uses car mode from the Audible app. Again, get a 30-day trial when you go to audible.com slash M-I-L-L or text M-I-L-L to 500-500. So uh, we, I thought we could start doing something here on the show every week because things are starting to move very quickly. Just briefly let everybody know who's jumping into the 2020 race for the Democratic ticket. So Julian Castro is in. Kamala Harris is probably in. Rumors are that she's going to announce uh, her candidacy over Martin Luther King uh, Junior Day weekend. And Tulsi Gabbard of Hawaii is also in. Okay, well, we can just scratch off Tulsi. Yeah, I've never yeah. heard of Tulsi in my life, so she's out. I'm surprised you haven't heard of her with all the stuff that's been dug up since she announced. Uh-oh. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I see. Under fire for past anti-gay remarks. Yeah, so she's definitely out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm super excited about Castro and Harris, though. I really like both of them and would happily vote for either one of them. Yeah. I would love to see Kamala Harris oh, God. go far. I, I think know. she will. She's very well known. She's fantastic. When when she's uh, there on one of those Senate panels and talking, she's she's just brilliant. So I'm excited about her most. Yeah. Uh, to be honest with you, I think that Hillary Clinton should have picked Julian Castro to be her running mate in 2016. I thought that Tim Kaine was a huge mistake, especially since the Democratic approach to that was to be like, well, he is an old white guy, but he does speak Spanish, kind of. (laughs) (laughs) Don't worry. We're still going to have an old white man in the White House. That's why they picked him. Yeah, exactly. They're like, we know you don't trust people with vaginas. So we're just gonna, (laughs) we're just gonna cover all our bases here. (laughs) Tim Kaine's got a dick. Vote Clinton Kate. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, things are moving very fast now. I it's so I can't wait to see everybody jump in. It's very exciting. It is. It gives me hope. Um speaking of things that don't give me hope though, we do have to talk about the <laughs> Trump shutdown. And yes, we are calling it a Trump shutdown here on the show because we think that <laughs> President Trump owns this shutdown completely. Uh, The current government shutdown is the longest in U.S. history. It is 24 days and counting, probably 25 by the time this episode uh, hits your podcasting app. And 800,000 federal employees did not receive a paycheck 
on Friday. Um, do you all know anybody who's affected? Yeah, actually, um, I think that my well, he doesn't work for the federal government, but my grandfather is on uh, Social Security, and he's not getting his paychecks. And my aunt takes care of him. So yeah. Oh, wow. I feel like no yeah. one's talking about that. Yeah, part. I feel like nobody's right. mentioned that. It's yeah. not I mean, popular headline. Thankfully, it's, um, you know, like, she, it's not like she's also a federal employee. So he, um, uh, so she's still getting paid. And they can afford to, you know, have him there. But for people that um, you know, that they're caretakers of uh, older family members, and they need that money to help make sure that they're okay, and they can live healthily. It's a really big problem. Yeah. yeah. Andrew, Shania, do either of you know anyone who's affected? I don't, but I'm glad that this has been a big story. Mm-hmm. The fact that people aren't being paid because it is terrible. Oh, and also one more. Uh, I have uh, we have a, a friend's son is in the military and he's also uh, not getting paid, although they they just sent out paperwork to mm. help them uh, get paid something. But because he's a, uh, a a son of immigrant parents, they actually also asked for his parents uh, residency information before they wow. can process right. his information. Wow, that's that's not blatantly discriminatory. Right. Um, <laughs> not at all. Yeah. Um, for me, my mom was telling me the other day, she has a good friend she's known for quite a while. He is a federal employee who has been impacted by this. And on top of all of this, his youngest son uh, recently died. So during the oh, no. like absolute worst moment of this man's life, he is not getting paid. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! Yeah, so and- that's where the stakes are, right? Like you, you read all sorts of stories about you know kids who are starting GoFundMe's for to pay their mother's bills. It's insane. And oh, another reason gosh. this sucks is because Trump very clearly does not care. He said they'll figure it out. He, he's he's acting like all these people can just get a loan from their parents when they can't. Mm-hmm. And he is sworn to protect us. And he doesn't care. He's using, he's using all these people as a bargaining chip. And I feel so terrible for all these people, especially those who are living paycheck to paycheck and are now fucked. And another reason I hate this is because the TSA agents are included here and they're pissed and they're supposed to be protecting us. I feel uncomfortable flying right now i felt uncomfortable flying here the other day and i'll feel uncomfortable flying back because these poor people aren't getting paid for their time and they probably care less yeah that makes me feel sick too is that you know it's really easy for people that are super callous to say oh but like you can just uh, just host a yard sale (laughs) every weekend or you know you hear these stories about people starting to drive ubers so that they can afford to you know make sure that their families don't go hungry it's like nobody that works a full-time job should have to take out another part-time job if their full-time job would be paying them sufficiently if it wasn't for this shutdown. Yeah. I actually have a friend on Facebook who shared um, Nancy Pelosi's speech from last Wednesday. And her conservative father commented, LMAO, hopefully they saved up for hard times like everyone else. Heart emoji, American flag emoji. Oh, my God. Yeah, because everybody has the money to save up for this hard time, which should not even be a hard time. 
Nobody's exactly. saving for a government shutdown. Are you fucking kidding me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Saving, supposed saving to be for like real tragedy. Stable jobs, too, to have. Everybody says, oh, go work for the county. Go work for the government. Like, you know, they're good jobs. There's a good pension. There's good everything. But nobody ever talks about something like this. Because this right. wasn't a risk before. Right. It's years. supposed to be reliable. And now this is a big risk. People are going to be thinking about this more going forward. Of course, shutdowns have happened before, but this one is now the longest Mm -hmm. in U.S. history. And the frequency of the shutdowns the last few years are just dramatic. I know. It's getting to the point where I'm like, well, it's December. We must be getting close to a government shutdown. This should be outlawed. Can we prevent this from occurring? I feel like that should be a thing. Well, we can prevent it from occurring if Congress can agree on spending bills. It's it's pretty right. straightforward, actually. It's, it's very easy not to let this happen. I, I'm just saying it needs it needs to stop being a bargaining chip. This needs to be protected always. Give people this job security and and the other benefits. Yeah. Well, I I just don't think again this is another example of how Trump is really testing the limits of our democracy and you know, like who's been in office before this or not, for the most part, the people who held the office had respect for the office and the institution. Trump does not. So we're getting to experience firsthand now what it's like to live in a country with a leader who doesn't give a fuck about the institutions and doesn't give a fuck about the people. And quite frankly, doesn't really give a fuck what people think of him. So, yep. yeah, yep. I mean, you brought up the point. I was going to ask you, Andrew, what your flying experience was like uh, going out to California <laughs> because TSA employees are calling in sick because they simply can't afford the gas they need to get to work. Um, yeah. Miami International Airport had to shut down an entire concourse because of unscheduled TSA absences. Uh, those are now up to 7.7% from last year's 3.2%. So more than so double. Clearly related. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah and I, I think there have been stories about other airport security guy lines getting very long. I didn't have a problem, maybe partly because I have pre-check. But um, it, everything looked okay to me in Chicago, though when I was walking out of this airport in Palm Springs, I heard somebody yell at a TSA agent, are you getting paid? <laughs> no, they're not. Yeah, that was a little rude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I'm not, asshole. Please leave and don't come back. <laughs> What's crazy to me is how they can force them to work without being paid. Like for any other private sector job like mine, it's illegal to force me to work off the clock. I think it's a job uh, security thing because <laughs> when I first moved out to LA, I, I took a paid internship, which was really just like a job without the title. And that was fine. But th- the way that this company did their payroll, it, it took about six weeks for me to receive my first paycheck. And it was the longest six weeks of mm. my life, just waiting yeah. for money. And I was so broke because I had just come back from an unpaid internship in New York. I didn't have any money, barely saved up saved up because I wasn't working when I was out there. I was working for free. Um, mm. And if it wasn't for uh, my best friend's family who I was staying with, you know, giving me a place to stay, I would have been out on the streets and also comping me money for gas because I could also not afford to commute to this job yeah. that, I needed to show up to if I wanted mm. to keep it. 
Mm-hmm. And then on top of all of this, student loan payments are still due. <laughs> what what uh, the fuck? Hilarious. Like how? one thing I saw where they're not going to be able to process like tax returns um, if the shutdown continues, but you can still take taxes out of my paycheck every week. Right. <laughs> yeah. I just got all of my tax paperwork today and I'm like, do I have to do anything with this? Because... Like, why should I have to file my taxes and pay whatever you guys are going to tell me I pay this year if there's, like, certain essential services that are unavailable to me right now? Right. right. Where are the and taxes if, going? And if this, right, if this money is supposed to pay you for your job and you're not doing your job, why am I paying these taxes, asshole? Mm-hmm. Mm. Well, on top of all this, uh, Trump had another meeting with Pelosi and Schumer, and he walked out of the meeting after they, again, refused to approve funding for his stupid fucking wall. Yeah, and called so mature. Yeah, called the meeting a complete waste of time. The irony here is that Trump could reopen the government at any point and continue negotiating the wall. There is a spending bill that has bipartisan support and that would pass quite handily. Um, and it it also addresses funding for border security. It just doesn't include funding for the wall. However, they could continue negotiating the wall when the government's reopened. Even mm. Lindsey Graham is telling Trump, please reopen the wall or please reopen the government for three weeks and just let us negotiate this. Um, And the other thing that's so funny about this is that during last year's shutdown, Democrats offered to give Trump funding for the wall in exchange for protections for the 700,000 DACA recipients, and the White House rejected the offer. Was it not enough money for the wall? Was that the problem? I don't think that they ever gave a reason, really. Hmm. I think they approved something like 20 billion like it was not a small sum of money yeah one of the best parts of this temper tantrum story is that nancy pelosi came out of it and she said i'm a mother of five grandmother of nine i know a temper tantrum when i see one (laughs) (laughs) yeah she's such a fucking badass yeah (laughs) i love her but all of this you know the fact that democrats have offered him the wall before and he turned it down and now he's raising a big fuss about it. This really is starting to feel like a manufactured crisis to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that it's to draw attention away from Trump's shitty government and Mueller drama. There's been some stuff happening in the last week. House lawyers are meeting to evaluate their ability to subpoena interpreters that were present at Trump-Putin meetings. Um, New York that Times... That was quite scary. Yeah. Um, The FBI opened an inquiry into whether Trump was working on behalf of Russia. That was a New York Times bombshell from this past Friday. And also, it turned out that Manafort shared polling data with a Russian with links to the Kremlin. So there's a lot of stuff coming out right now. It really feels like we're circling the drain on the whole Mueller investigation. And Trump knows it. He's freaking the fuck out. And I think that he'll drag this government shutdown on for as long as it takes to distract people from these stories yeah i guess he just to me he just really 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 wants that wall and and coulter scared him other republicans scared him and if he loses this what's he got 
Well, yeah, this was his major campaign promise. So it's definitely a double pronged approach that he's taking. Right. Um, but and, the and timing then, is just way too coincidental. Mm-hmm. And then there was also that gem of a comment where he said, I never said Mexico would oh write God. a check for the wall oh. when he has clearly, clearly said that. And I saw a clip pulled where he made that clear. Like, I mean, at this point, why not just remind all of why? maybe, you know, it would be embarrassing, but he could just be like, hey, you know what? Um, the California-Mexico border has a wall and we have all these other chunks of wall you know we're pretty good um we're just gonna increase all that you guys don't worry i'll keep the mexicans out like that's all i need to say just promise you're gonna keep them out i mean you're not but you know no but they'll believe anything he says so just pretend that you are and pretend that um uh, less and less people are coming over the border like statistically factually they are fewer people are coming over the border than 20 years ago so yep and i guess final question i wanted to ask you guys should democrats continue digging their feet in and making trump own his shutdown the reason i ask is because you know we may agree that they're morally in the right but this is having serious negative impacts on the average citizen what do you think shania it's so hard (sighs) Because he is, he's holding the nation and those 800,000 workers hostage to get what he wants. And my instinct is to say, yes, we can't give in and use all this ridiculous tax funder money towards this ridiculous wall. But Laura, you're absolutely right that they are suffering because of this. And when ultimately, do the suffering people turn on the Democrats that are digging their feet in? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right now, the Democrats are in luck. Um, polling conducted by an independent research um, agency called SSRS for CNN determined that most Americans do hold Trump responsible for the shutdown at 55% versus 32% who hold Democrats responsible. It's a pretty widespread right now. So I think I think you're correct that right now um, the optics of this are, you know, operating in favor of Democrats. But I do wonder what's going to happen if another Friday comes and goes without a paycheck for these 800,000 people. Right. Yeah. How much of this can they take? Yeah, exactly. I, I said this on our first breaking news segment. Um, America is on the Democrats' side. We voted for them in 2018. They have the majority of the country. They need to remember that as they continue to dig in. Because I do think they should dig in. They should not lose this to Trump. Please, please, please hold the line. Yeah, I have to be honest with you. When Schumer made Trump the wall offer you know, last year, I was really pissed about it. I felt like... Yes, this is a case where you're trying to compromise in order to get shit moving, but you're trying to compromise with a toddler. Stop doing it. Um, mm-hmm. it, it really sucks because all of these people are hurting, but ultimately their hurt, in my opinion, is due to President Trump and not due to the Democrats who are perfectly willing to pass a very reasonable spending bill that includes a lot of fucking money for border security as it is. Right, right. 
So anyway. All right. Well, <laughs> watch this space. Yeah. It seems like this is moving nowhere. So this could yeah. last a long time. Yeah. And we will be playing uh, a fact or fiction government shutdown edition game at the end of today's episode. So stay tuned for that. Ooh. I'm sure that'll be depressing. It and will. And insightful. <laughs> <laughs> what else is going on, Pam? Well, here's something that might restore a little bit of faith in humanity for you guys. Uh, Lifetime, of course, released an explosive six-part docuseries called Surviving R. Kelly, which details R. Kelly's history of alleged sexual abuse and sexual misconduct with minors. And as a direct result of this series coming out, uh, there were just uh, calls that started flooding in to investigators uh, with regards to the allegations. And so now the uh, Fulton County District Attorney's Office has opened an investigation on the singer as a re- direct result of this docuseries. So as part of the investigation, the DA's office um, are reaching out to multiple survivors that were featured in the documentary series and also talking to other people that have come forward. And uh, those close to the case say that the investigation could find Kelly facing mar- multiple charges, including that of false imprisonment, which is something that he was accused of uh, recently in the last few years. So I just wanted to bring this up because we did talk about this very briefly in After Dark last week, and it's an interesting little development in this that shows that social change is still possible. Right. Uh, Didn't even his daughter come out against him? Yeah, his daughter wrote um, a really compelling statement about what she's even suffered, too. That's crazy. It's sad that it took this Lifetime docuseries to get the ball rolling here, but hey, it's good that it's rolling now. Exactly. Before we move on to some recommendations and the fact or fiction game, we wanted to hear a quick word from a new sponsor of the show, Zola. Zola is the wedding company that will do anything for love, and they are reinventing the wedding planning and registry experience to make the happiest moment in couples' lives even happier. From engagement to wedding and decorating your first home, Zola is there combining compassionate customer service with modern tools and technology, all in the service of love. Zola is the easiest way to plan your wedding and register. Join 500,000 couples who've used Zola to make free wedding websites, their dream wedding registries, and affordable save the dates and invitations. Start with a free wedding website. It's so easy and takes just minutes to set up. There are over 100 beautiful wedding website designs to choose from that fit any couple's style and type of wedding. Case in point, a friend of mine is getting married later this year and did her save the dates digitally. I was able to RSVP for her wedding for myself and Mark in just the space of a few minutes. So this is a good experience for wedding attendees as well. Once you've got a website, build your dream registry at Zola. The Zola store has the widest selection of gifts at all different price points. There's something for every guest to give. And guests will love free shipping and returns, price matching, and more. You can also create funds for your honeymoon, future home, new puppy, or anything you want. To start your free wedding website and also get $50 off your registry on Zola, go to Zola.com slash M-I-L-L. That's Z-O-L-A dot com slash M-I-L-L to start your free wedding website and get $50 off your Zola registry. Go to Zola.com slash M-I-L-L for a free wedding website and $50 off your Zola registry and feel that wedding planning stress melt away. So it's time now for recommendations. Shania, 
since you're our guest, let's start with you. What do you recommend to our audience this week? So I've been mega obsessed with the Throne of Glass book series by Sarah J. Moss recently. Uh, going back to the Audible ad earlier, my I started reading this because my coworkers were obsessively listening to it on Audible. Um, so I went and bought it. And I started it, I want to say, two or three days before New Year's. And I'm currently on book four, about halfway through. And I can't put it down. It There's about seven books and a prequel. It's absolutely amazing with a female protagonist who is so unique and strong and powerful. And uh, I just love it. I can't say enough good things about it. It's fantasy, high fantasy. Um and if you like to read or to listen, uh, absolutely recommend this. Cool. I saw, I just, while you were talking, I looked it up. It looks like Hulu is adapting it. Oh, are what? they? They are. Well, as of two years ago. Yeah. Do you um, know about this, Pam? Yeah. It's still in the process of being adopted. I don't think that they found a showrunner yet, uh, but it is being made. And uh, I know specifically that a lot of fans of the book, because Sarah J. Moss has a really huge cult following surrounding her series. Uh, they're a little bit worried about the high fantasy element of the novel translating over into television. Uh, but I also hear that there's some really dark stuff that goes down in this series. So having a home like Hulu might actually be good for the adaptation because they'll be able to push the line a little bit more than if it were being adopted by, say, the CW. Oh, absolutely. I actually thought that in the empty space after Game of Thrones and soon it would be a really good time for it to come in and offer something to all those people who are lonely without Game of Thrones. There you go. Definitely. I want to recommend new Super Mario Bros. U Deluxe. Quite a title. Um, so I'm, I'm obsessed with Nintendo Switch right now. And Nintendo has been porting some of the games from the Wii U over to the Switch because the Wii U did not sell well at all. But they had made tons of great games. So they want to get those games in the hands of people. New Super Mario Bros. U Deluxe is the latest in that uh, port journey that Nintendo is taking several of its games on. And I never played it on the Wii U. I absolutely love it. It's one of those side-scrolling Marios. But Nintendo is so freaking clever with level design and it's just so delightful and colorful and fun there's over 160 courses because this also includes new S super luigi brothers u from the wii u within this new game so if you do have a switch please check it out we've got a side scrolling mario on the switch what a time to be alive <laughs> For my recommendation, I recommend supporting a federal employee. You can donate to one of the many GoFundMes that are out there. And on next year's taxes, you can write that donation off. And oh, when beautiful. you're <laughs> and when you're describing that line item, you can be like, <laughs> because of President Trump's stupid fucking wall. <laughs> <laughs> oh, now I'm going to do this just to write that. And I want to recommend Hydro Flasks, which are a line of reusable uh, like drink canisters, containers. I was given a coffee traveler tumbler 
uh, that was Hydro Flask for Christmas, and it's my new favorite thing. It's double walled, but you can put hot or cold liquids in there. And the staying power for the original temperature of these drinks is amazing. I actually filled mine up with water the other day, and it was really hot, and I left it overnight. And when I woke up the next day and got in my car, there were still tiny little pieces of ice at the bottom. These are oh, really wow. great uh, water bottles and uh, coffee traveler reusable mugs. So if you're looking to reduce your carbon footprint, uh, definitely worth the money. Awesome. All and right. We're not done yet. Now it's time for that game. Yeah, it's now time for the game of Fact or Fiction, Government Shutdown Edition. In this, I'm going to read some quote unquote facts about the current government shutdown situation. And you all and everyone listening at home, uh, have to decide if what I told you was fact or fiction. So we'll do a practice round real quick. How does that sound? Go for it. The current government shutdown is the longest in U.S. history. Fact or fiction? Well, I dropped that little nugget earlier, so I'll say <laughs> fact. <laughs> Very good. Yes. So that is exactly how we play. Are you all ready? You know Trump loves that, by the way, that it's the longest it's the biggest it's ever. The best. <laughs> <laughs> He's very obsessed with big things. Because he doesn't have any big things. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. For our next one, nearly half of the government is currently shut down. Fact or fiction? I'm going to say fiction. It's less than half shut down. Mm, I'll go with fact. I want to say fiction because I think it's more than half. Oh, okay. So the correct answer is this is fiction. Uh, right now, it's around a quarter of the government is currently shut down. Um, oh, it's not so bad. But look at how bad it is with only a quarter shut down. Right. That's <laughs> yeah. pretty bad. <laughs> All right. The next one. Thousands of federally contracted workers will likely not receive back pay following the shutdown. I want to say fiction because I hope this is fiction. I want to say, I'm going to say fact because they're contracted workers. Hmm. I want to say fact because I have no faith. Unfortunately, this is a fact. Historically, federally contracted workers do not receive back pay following shutdowns. Damn. That's awful. Yeah. Well, then they shouldn't work. I agree with you. <laughs> All right, the next one. Congress has not yet reached an agreement that would guarantee back pay for the currently furloughed 800,000 federal workers. I'm going to say fiction. Well, I'm batting zero, but I'll say fact. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking fact as well. Okay, this is fiction. Congress did already reach an agreement that would guarantee back pay for those federal employees. Thankfully. Woohoo. Some good news. <laughs> All right. The next one the Department of Agriculture has discontinued meat and poultry inspections. Oh, God. I feel like um, I read something about vegetables. I read something as well. I can't remember the yeah, details. So I, I'm going to say fact. I'll say fiction. And I'll it's just also vegetables. say fiction. What'd you say, Shania? 
Also fiction. Okay. Uh, The answer here is fiction. So they have not discontinued meat and poultry inspections. However, the FDA is not able to inspect things like vegetables, cheeses, and breakfast cereals as frequently as they typically do. So that's something to bear in mind. And this finally, is terrible. I know. I'm so sorry. Mm-hmm. I'm bringing down the mood at the end of the show. <laughs> but I think this is important information for everyone to take home. Of course. Home. <laughs> um, we should and, know because our president is, isn't going to warn us. Right. <laughs> and finally, Secret Service agents, including those who protect President Trump, are working without pay. Fact. I'll say fact. Yeah. I want to say that's fiction. It is a fact. They are not oh. being paid right now. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if, like, Bill Clinton is, like, slipping the guys some 20s or something. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Just yeah, lean to the left. I wonder how Secret Service agents reacted when they heard Trump say, they'll, they'll figure out a way to work it out. <laughs> yeah. They're like, yeah, oh, sure, we will. I'll stop protecting oh you God. and go Uber. <laughs> Right? It's probably good that they wear sunglasses outside. I feel like I would be rolling my eyes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All that's right. how we play. <laughs> Don't you we feel happy? Thank you. I feel great. <laughs> I'm going to go cry now. Coming up in After Dark today, we are going to talk about tidying up. That new Netflix series has gotten everybody talking, and Laura and Pam have both been working on purging things that they don't need. Um, I've been doing it as well in my kitchen, and I, I do some things that drive Pat crazy. So we'll talk about all those things. Shania, thanks so much for coming on the show today. You did fantastic. Thank you for having me. And thank you for your support on Patreon. We greatly appreciate it. If you want to become a patron, visit patreon.com slash millennial, and you'll get instant access to a ton of benefits, including After Dark, Hashing It Out. You'll be able to be eligible for a Surprise Bitch. You will receive um, our show notes in advance. You can join us for the live streams. We've got the Discord channel. There's a ton going on. And I didn't even mention most of the new benefits. So check it all out at patreon.com slash millennial. Our closing song today is performed by Shania. So thanks, everybody, again for listening. I'm Andrew. I'm Laura. I'm Pamela. And I'm Shania. Bye, everybody. See ya. Bye, everybody. I'm going to edit editing. Okay. I was really looking forward to jamming out. I'm sorry. Oh my God. <laughs> you robbed her of the experience, Andrew. <laughs> Hold on. Let's see if it works. Man, I feel like. Or you That's could sing it, Andrew. Like, Let's go, girls, right? Let's go, girls. Oh, yeah. There we go. <laughs> feel better now, Shania? Feeling it? I'm loving it. <laughs> I'm feeling it.